0: Again, smmarketingsociety.com.
1: Welcome to the Crypto Business Podcast, helping you navigate the frontier of crypto. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner.
0: Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Crypto Business Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for innovative thinkers who want to know what works in the world of Web 3.0. Today, I'll be joined by Joel Calm, and we're going to explore the concept of crypto and whether it's the future of business. And by the way, if you're new to this show, be sure to follow us so you don't miss any of our amazing future content, because I've got some great stuff coming your way. And now for this week's interview with Joel Com.
1: Helping you to simplify your crypto journey. Here is this week's expert guide.
0: Today, I'm very excited to be joined by my good friend, Joel calm If you don't know who he is, he's a futurist and an NFT expert. He's the founder of Blockchain Heroes, co-host of the Bad Crypto Podcast, and host of the Nifty Show. Joel, welcome to the show.
1: You forgot to mention longtime friend. I did say that. <laughs> did you? You did say, Okay we go way back now.
0: Yeah, Joel and I go way, way back. And for those that are listening to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, well, actually you've been on both of those shows. We've known each other for a very, very long time. But for those that are listening to the other show that I'm launching, you probably know Joel because of his work in the crypto world. And today that's what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about crypto, Web3, what it all means for business. And Joel, what I want to start with is a little bit of your story specifically as it relates to you getting into crypto. Cause I remember, I don't know if it was 2016 or 2017, you telling me about this thing that I thought was crazy. So start wherever you want to start. How the heck did you journey into crypto and just kind of tell us the story?
1: Yeah, man. Well, thanks for having me on and and happy to share with you. And hopefully some will benefit from, uh, from my story, that which I've learned and the mistakes that I've made along the way. You know, I remember hearing about Bitcoin as early as 2012 or 13. And at that time, there was other things happening in my life. And usually I'm drawn to the bright, shiny objects. You know me, I like to play with all the toys. And to me, you would think the sound of digital money would have really captured my attention. And it didn't because I really didn't understand it. And I was preoccupied with other things. And so I kind of just, ignored it. And it wasn't until 2016 that I started hearing about it again. And some friends were asking me, you know, what do you think is Bitcoin? I'd be like, I don't get it. I don't know. You know, during the 2016 elections, I would have a lot of conversations online with my friend, Travis Wright. Turns out we were very politically aligned. And, you know, every day it was one question or another about what was happening in the elections in the political arena. And then, of course, the election happened and our attention turned to cryptocurrency and our daily conversation shifted from politics to this Bitcoin thing. And, you know, what do you think of this thing, Ethereum? And I finally understood it. The lights went on. It was actually at a conference in Denver. It was Ken MacArthur's impact factor event. I was there and my friend Davin Michaels was there. And and I go way back with Davin and Davin started talking to me about crypto. And I finally paid attention and he helped explain to me how Bitcoin mining works. For me, that was really a huge block to understanding the power of Bitcoin. And once I understood what Bitcoin mining was and how Bitcoin was created, the lights over my head just, it was like fireworks went off. Because, you know, I was there in the beginning of the web. I built my first website back in 1995 and there was something in my understanding of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency that reminded me of when I discovered the World Wide Web. I I thought, oh my gosh, this, feels, smells, tastes, looks exactly like that. It's happening all over again. And so I went down the rabbit hole and Travis and I would have these daily conversations around cryptocurrency. And because the conversations were so frequent, one day in July, in fact, it was July 16th, 2017, he sent me a message on Facebook Messenger and it was half sarcastic. It was, when are we gonna start the Joel and TW crypto show? But the moment he said it, I said, I'm calling you right now because it landed on me like a ton of bricks. I called him. I said, we should do this. You know, we're not experts. We're not financial advisors. We're not going to tell people what to buy. We're just learning about this ourselves. What if we made our journey together a public journey and brought people along with us? We learn, they learn. We talk to people who are smarter than us and let's figure out what this is all about. And so two days later, we launched the Bad Crypto podcast, not because crypto is bad, but because we didn't know what we were talking about. And because, you know, we're not only seasoned broadcasters and speakers, but we're also adult children and uh, we, we like to make jokes. And so there's a lot of bad dad jokes and bad crypto. And it turned out the timing was really ideal because it was before a massive bull run happened in 2017 and into early 2018. And there wasn't anything like what we were doing out there, because all of the shows were more technical and, and high-minded. And we came into the space, and we're like just two dudes talking crypto. And it really resonated with people. The show instantly took off. And you know, as of right now, we are four and a half years into doing the podcast. And now we actually know a thing or two.
0: Yeah. And it's amazing. I listen to the podcast pretty darn religiously. Sometimes you guys cover the news. Sometimes you interview experts. What has this done for your perspective of everything? I mean, like, because obviously just started as a fun project, but it's clearly so much more than that now. So tell me a little bit more about like, what are you doing as a result of starting this podcast now?
1: Well, first of all, I think cryptocurrency is a game changer. Blockchain technology is a game changer. We're looking at a technology that is more disruptive to more verticals than the web has been in its, you know, two and a half decades of existence. More disruptive than mobile phones have been. For those who don't understand how blockchain is yet going to disrupt their industry, it's coming. And there's a lot of businesses that are going to get blockbustered, you know, so to speak as blockchain continues to develop and competitors adopt the technology so that they can more efficiently and effectively do what they do to serve customers. So for me, it's given me the opportunity to use many of the skills that I've stacked over the years. You know, this is not the first time I've broadcasted or spoken publicly. It's not the first time I've, as a technologist and futurist, put on my futurist hat to see what's coming next. I love it because we're playing with magical internet money. It's this new genre of interacting of a financial system that is totally disruptive to the old world traditional banking system, totally disruptive to anything that uses contracts, totally disruptive to the art world, the gaming world and the entertainment world, the music world, health. The verticals that we are disrupting here are so numerous and we've yet to even discover so many of the actual use cases that are going to become everyday uses of blockchain. So I'm having a blast. I'm having a great time not only covering the space, but uh, building connections and relationships with others in the space, investing in different projects and creating NFTs.
0: Yeah, we should talk about that briefly. So, first of all, you have minted more than a million NFTs. You started another podcast called The Nifty Show, which is just about NFTs. You've had a chance to work with celebrities in and out of the world of business and in the world of crypto. You've had people on your show that have gone on to do absolutely amazing things. And when you first had them on the show, they weren't well known I mean, you've really gone all in on this thing. My guess is this is all you do now. Is that a fair assessment?
1: It really is. I play with, you know, pixels all day long. And with cryptocurrency, I talk to others in the space. We're always developing our own projects or consulting with others that are developing projects. And we've, you know, really led the way. I think the Bad Crypto podcast may have been the very first podcast to cover NFTs in December 2017 when the Crypto Kitties came out. And uh, we have been minting our own NFTs, creating them for our audience since January of 2020. But now we've actually minted over a million and a half NFTs of our own original intellectual property on the Wax blockchain and have thousands and thousands of people that have bought them, that, that collect them, that trade them, they buy and sell. And we're just getting started.
0: So... There's a lot of people that are listening and some that are watching the video version of this and they don't really understand exactly what all this means. They know that there's this phrase, Web3. They've been hearing about crypto because how can you not? Everybody talks about it in the same breath as the NASDAQ, but they don't understand what and why crypto should be on their radar. What do you want to say to businesses what do you want to say to creators? What do you want to say to marketers and entrepreneurs that are skeptical a little bit about all of this?
1: Yeah, so great question. The first thing is they should be skeptical about the current world uh, financial systems. You know, what we use right now, paper money it's another word for fiat currency. If you've ever heard the use fiat currency, it's paper money. And it's not backed by anything but the trust and faith of the government that issues that currency. You know, if you go back just a few decades, you'll discover that our U.S. dollar used to be backed by gold, precious metals that have a true scarce supply that all of humanity puts a value on that has real value. But now, Our paper money is purely that, it's paper. In fact, it's not even worth, uh, in many cases, in some countries, the paper that it's printed on because of inflation. And there is not yet a fiat currency in the history of the world that has ever survived. They've all crumbled in the end. And as we can see right now, our Federal Reserve Bank, that is neither federal nor a reserve, continues to print trillions of dollars and put it into our economy. Well, the more you have of a currency, the less each one is worth. The beautiful thing about cryptocurrency, especially when we're talking about Bitcoin, which is really the granddaddy of all the cryptos created by an anonymous individual, a man, a woman, or a group of people that are known as Satoshi Nakamoto. The Bitcoin white paper in 2008 proposed a peer to peer electronic digital currency that was trustless, that did not require an intermediary like a bank or other financial institution or government to produce, and give value to it. And with Bitcoin, there's only 21 million of them ever. You can't make more Bitcoin. That makes it a deflationary currency, which is why we see people that are understanding it now, purchasing it, and the price has gone, you know, over the last 10 years from a nickel to as high as $69,000 for one Bitcoin. It's what we call digital gold, and it is unstoppable money. It's here to stay and it's going to transform the world.
0: Okay. And I get that. But what about all the other things? <laughs> all the other things. You know, I mean, like if we think of the evolution, right, you know, it was first Bitcoin, then it was Ethereum. Like talk to people a little bit about what Ethereum makes possible because that adds a whole other layer.
1: Yeah. So many things. So Bitcoin is purely a peer to peer payment system. It doesn't really do anything else. So, you know, you can kind of think of it as a more sophisticated version of PayPal right? That's built on a decentralized ledger that is public and transparent. So you can see any transaction anytime. There's never a question of of money was sent from one account to another because it's all on a very public blockchain and all trackable. Think of just that alone. How many customer service issues in banking or in any commerce can be eliminated? All of those problems because it's immediate and instant and in public to see every single transaction. There's no more disputes ever about a transaction because it's, it's all very public. But Bitcoin is purely a currency. You send it to somebody they send it to you and you have bitcoin ethereum uh introduced by a young man by the name of vitalik buterin who uh when he invented it i think was 18 or 19 years old took the idea of a peer-to-peer currency and added programming to it what we call smart contracts so now the currency that you're transacting in, you could add if-then statements to it. It becomes fully programmable, which of course, you know, if you're a coder, that opens up a whole realm of things that can be done with Ethereum. And one of the unintended consequences of these smart contracts are the creation and now the proliferation of what we know as NFTs.
0: Right, so I think of Bitcoin as digital gold and I think of Ethereum as kind of like the, internet, you know, the next iteration of the internet, right? It's, It's like a computer. And because it's got, you know, all the things that if you will, a computer has to it, right. You can write not just a financial transaction to it, but you can write contracts into it. And that opens up the whole world of finance and it opens up the world of digital goods and all sorts of other stuff, which is why businesses right now that are listening ought to pay attention because this isn't just a money conversation. This is a decentralized power to the people system that is designed to, at a low cost, eliminate so many of the things that right now are controlled by centralized powerhouses.
1: Let me put some meat on that with an example, Mike, and uh, the one I really like to go to because everybody understands this is the music industry. If you're a musician and you're streaming your content on Spotify or or Apple Music, you get such a small little pittance of a royalty. I mean, I think I heard Peter Frampton once say that his Do You Feel the Way We Do was streamed 100 million times and he earned like $1,500. Some absurd amount like that. The industry is broken, right? But If you were to put your music on blockchain and have a token to support that music ecosystem of its own, you could use a smart contract that would A, instantly pay the artist when a song is downloaded, not have to wait for, you know, royalties six to 12 months down the road. And you could write into that smart contract that perhaps that 99 cent song, the moment it's purchased, 50 cents goes to the artist, a quarter goes to the manager five cents goes to the drummer, eight and a half cents goes to the bass player. You know, a certain portion goes to the songwriter's mother, whatever you want it to do, it could all be written into the smart contract. So the moment that transaction takes place, funds are distributed and you've done it without an intermediary. And, and it's almost instant in some cases. That is revolutionary for an industry. And as people are listening to us and starting to connect the dots, Start thinking about, oh, how might this be used to make my industry more efficient, more productive, more accountable?
0: Well, and if we start to layer on top of this other use cases, we can also talk about the trading, right? Because the moment you purchase something and we're not transitioning really into NFTs here, right? Non-fungible tokens. And we probably should describe the difference between a fungible token and a non-fungible token. But the trading aspect Now these artists, these musicians, every time someone decides I no longer want to own this song, they could sell the song to someone else for whatever price they're willing to sell it for. But those original artists will still continue to earn money on that trade because of the smart contract, right? Correct.
1: Yeah. And that's another, you know, when you say power to the people that is so empowering to the artist and I, yeah, I suppose that would be a good time to kind of define yeah. what an NFT is. Yeah. Uh, so the, the word fungible itself, you know, people like, well, I don't know what fungible is, let alone non fungible. When something is fungible, they're all the same. So if I were to say to you, hey, Mike, give me a dollar out of your wallet and you open your wallet and you got 10 different dollar bills in there, you're not going to turn to me and say, well, which one? Right. It doesn't matter.
0: Because they're all equal. Yeah.
1: They're all the same. A dollar is a dollar is one dollar. And a one dollar will always equal one dollar. Right. Whatever the value of is at that time, it's one dollar. Bitcoin's very similar. If I say, hey, Mike, I'm going to send you half a Bitcoin, you're not going to say, okay, I want that one. No, because they're not discernible. Right. A half a Bitcoin is a half a Bitcoin. It's fungible. Something that is non-fungible means that each one of them is unique and different. So human beings, for example, were non-fungible. There's no two that are the
0: same. Your home is non-fungible because there's only one plot of land, right? Where that house is.
1: Correct. But what if the house is, you know, there's a hundred homes in the development and they're all the same floor plan. Well, that's fine. They can look the same, but they're each on a unique piece of real estate. They're each different.
0: They have a unique address. Yeah.
1: And so homes are non Fungible. non-fungible tokens are items on the blockchain, each one being unique. There could be multiple copies of the same one, but each one has a unique identifier that is trackable on blockchain. You know the provenance of where it came from and you know which wallets it's gone to, moved to, traded to, been purchased to at whatever price. And so when we're talking about non-fungible tokens, the high level that people think about it, is artwork, right? Because that's what we're hearing in the media. The stories about Beeple's $69 million piece of art or the Bored Ape Yacht Club or Crypto Punk selling for millions of dollars. The reason that these are going for the prices they are is because they are a status symbol for many in the space. And the value of them continues to increase because they are scarce. There's a limited supply of them and each one is unique and distinguishable from the next.
0: Well, and just a little bit more on the non-fungible, you know, we're recording this in late December of 2021 and I took my family to see uh, Spider-Man No Way Home and I bought a specific five seats in the theater, row E, one through five, okay? At one particular time, that was a non-fungible purchase because there's only one of those seats available at that particular time, right? So if we start to think about non-fungible and then you add token to it, Now, all of a sudden, this could also not just be a digital art. It could be an experience, like a ticket to something, right?
1: Exactly. It already is becoming tickets to something. In fact, you know, uh, a lot of people know our friend uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, and he did a very successful series called V-Friends. And they were doodles that he created with inspirational, motivational characters that came out of his own imagination. And some of them were rarer than others. But no matter which one you got, it gives you access to his VCon event for three years in a row. So each one of these NFTs may unlock other experiences, but you're guaranteed to get entrance to his event for three years. So it already is a ticket. And in the future, if Ticketmaster doesn't do this themselves, we're going to see disruption in the space where others are going to offer uh, ticketing in the form of an NFT. And and one of the cool things about that, Mike, is, you know, when you when you dream about what's possible, if you are a um, a band and you're offering these tickets, now tickets have gone completely digital, right? It's not like it used to be when we get these cool stubs and people would keep and collect them and they would have value as collector's items. They've gone digital. Well, now let's say you buy a ticket to a concert for your favorite band and you have that ticket as an NFT in your wallet. If you hold that, the band can say in a year, hey, everybody who attended our concert, we're going to drop them a pack of collectible cards for having attended that concert.
0: Yeah, they call that an airdrop,
1: right? We should clarify. An airdrop, yep. Or they can say, hey, if you're holding this NFT in your wallet um, on our next tour, you get first access to buy a ticket.
0: What I love about this is not only does it serve a utilitarian value to get them into a concert or get them into an event, but it also gives exclusive special stuff later, which I love. And, you know, there's a lot of people listening right now that don't put on events or aren't artists. So why would they want to consider NFTs? Like talk to me about some of the business applications beyond just the art.
1: Think about an NFT as programmable media right? It's this box that can contain whatever your imagination wants to put into it. And owning the NFT is like the key that unlocks that box. What could be inside? Well, it could be purely a piece of art. It could be an NFT that unlocks the rights to a physical good that's tied to it. It can be an item that unlocks an event. It could unlock any kind of experience or good or service that you want it to unlock. So maybe an easy way to look at this is to think of it as a loyalty program. So when you purchase an NFT, it could unlock all of the rights and benefits that come with being part of that particular community or tribe. And now that means there's no limitations to what that NFT can offer. It all depends about what you want to offer. To your customers who hold it, nor the duration of how long those NFTs can add value. You know, Gary has said publicly that he has a 40-year roadmap for vFriends. That's crazy. On the surface, he says three years of VCon, but there's a reason and an incentive for him to keep adding value beyond that first three years.
0: Yeah, explain that. Why? Why is that?
1: You alluded it to earlier because. When an NFT creator puts an NFT out there, whether they give it away or whether it's purchased, there's not only that initial sale, but every time that NFT is sold on the secondary marketplaces to somebody else, a percentage of that sale goes to the creator. In perpetuity, you know, if you were a baseball card collector and you happened to get one of those 1955 Mickey Mantle cards that were so scarce, today you might get several million dollars for it. But tops who created that card will only ever get the nickel that was earned. When that card was first purchased, no matter how many times it's sold now and no matter what the value of it is, well, Topps is doing baseball cards now as NFTs. And every time that one of those NFTs is purchased by somebody else and it trades hands, Topps gets a piece of the action. And so Gary has all the incentive in the world, as do other NFT creators to continue adding value because that just drives the secondary market activity to keep buying and selling and trading these things. And it drives more revenue. He announced publicly about a month ago that he earned about $50 million from the actual sale itself, the primary sale of the NFTs, and so far about $40 million in his commissions from the secondary market. That's
0: incredible. Yeah, which is crazy. And the reason why this works is because of the fact that it's built on the blockchain and it's enforced by the smart contracts. There's no way to sell this without him earning a commission on it because it's enforced by the blockchain. Right. That's the difference. There's no black market. It's not possible. And that's the key to this whole thing, right?
1: Yes. And there are scammers out there that will take a piece of artwork from a collection and mint it as an nft and try to pass it off as the real thing right a fake yep. just like somebody might take yours or my picture right. and make a facebook account but it's not the real thing our accounts are verified right. so all the accounts that mint nfts it's verifiable that they are the creator and the originator. So there are people who attempt to scam in the space. And so you have to be aware because there's always people who will try to take advantage, especially when financial markets are involved. But you are correct. There can only be one true version of each NFT. And because of that, the revenue flows back to the creator.
0: Okay, let's talk about social tokens creator coins these words are kind of intermixed what are they why do they matter how are they different than what we've just been talking about
1: first of all they're unique in that they are their own cryptocurrency you know we call them social money but really it's a cryptocurrency that is pegged to whoever the creator is i believe our friend joe polizzi has a creator token
0: yep tilt coin what's it called it's called tilt tilt okay
1: and people who hold the tilt coin get some sort of access to Joe's products or services, correct?
0: Yeah. Well, he rewards people with his tilt coin in exchange for doing certain actions, like sharing his newsletter. He also accepts it as a currency to his event and so on and so forth.
1: So, you know, before NFTs became more prevalent, people were really going in deeper on this whole social money idea. And to me, it seems like now that we understand the power of NFTs, why would I issue a cryptocurrency that could potentially have some legal issues tied around it based on your particular jurisdiction when I can offer people something that is more interesting to look at than a cryptocurrency as some sort of loyalty program? And we've created loyalty coins for the listeners of our show. We've had the bad coin and we've had the hero token. But now in retrospect, knowing what I know about NFTs now, I don't know that I would go that route again. I'm not saying that there can't be a practical application for them. It just seems to me that NFTs are way more interesting and versatile than just a currency.
0: Well, and I think maybe some of the business applications for having your own token, and we've seen this, you've had people on your show that have created their own tokens (laughs) that are not social tokens, but token tokens, you know, like major tokens you can exchange, you know, with MetaMask. This is a fundraising side of things as well. We probably should talk about that a little bit, right?
1: Yeah, where the tokens have some sort of utility. You know, we talked about what Bitcoin does and what's made possible by Ethereum. We gave the example of a cryptocurrency, you know, in the music world. But tokens can be given any value ascribed to them by the creator. What is it that you want your token to do? And we're starting to see this really become uh, more mainstream through the gaming industry. In fact, uh, 2022 is going to be the year of play to earn. Get used to hearing this because there are millions of people around the world that play games like Fortnite and they spend money in game on various skins and items. But it's purely for the play. And what's coming is play to earn gaming, where you actually own the items in the game and can trade them or sell them on a secondary market. And as you're playing, you're earning a cryptocurrency that is liquid that can be traded for bitcoin or for us dollars or whatever currency the markets will allow you to trade it into and so we're going to see in the coming year application of cryptocurrencies in the gaming sector unlike ever before in fact if you've paid attention to the news this year and you've heard them saying nfts nfts and bringing the sensational stories out to the public Next year is going to be the year you're going to hear play to earn a lot. And I believe if my futurist hat is on correct, I believe that the big story around play to earn is going to be all of the kids that are making more money playing these games than their parents and teachers are. In fact, I've already predicted and stand by this, that we're going to see more sub 20 year old millionaires made in 2022 than ever before in history do to play to earn gaming and NFTs.
0: Well, and Axie Infinity is the big one everybody's talking about as of this recording. Would you agree? It's the biggest one, especially in
1: foreign countries like the Philippines. Uh, During COVID and lockdowns, Axie Infinity was played by something like 35% of the adult and child population, which uh, many people began to make more money playing this game on blockchain than they were from their regular jobs. So it was really a saving grace for the Filipino people during COVID. But there's other games that are also on the rise right now. And I play some of them. I've got passive income from some of these games. Very cool. I told my brother about one of them yesterday. I made like $7,000 playing a game about five minutes a day because I had prepared and had NFTs that worked in the game. And it's like, what, how do I do that? You know, he's a CPA and like, well, you have to play. You don't really play, but you know, I'm 12 years old at heart. So I like to play. And the fact that I can make money doing it as well is just a bonus.
0: So we've talked about NFTs and I know you're super bullish on NFTs. We've talked about social tokens and creator coins and you're questioning the use cases because they're just purely currency and there really isn't that much you can do with them. Let's talk about decentralized autonomous organizations, also known as DAOs. What the heck is a DAO? Why do we need to pay attention to this?
1: Well, first of all, when something is decentralized, that means that there is no central authority, right? Our banks are centralized banks. Our government is centralized. Every corporation is centralized. They have the say in what happens in that corporation, government or organization, a decentralized autonomous organization means that those who own a token or an NFT that are part of a certain collection now have a voice in this particular organization and the direction of it, the future of it, the decisions that they're going to make, the things that they are going to attempt to do, the allocation of funds that come in. It's all up to the people. You can kind of think of them as shareholders, but traditionally a shareholder means you're holding shares in a centralized company. So this is like holding shares in a company that doesn't have a headquarters. It doesn't have a CEO. There is no whatever the company is, Inc. Like with Bitcoin, you can't call the CEO of Bitcoin. It's decentralized. It doesn't exist. There's not an address for you to write to Bitcoin support. There's addresses and support for exchanges that facilitate buying and selling of Bitcoin, but not for Bitcoin itself. So we're going to see more and more of these decentralized autonomous organizations. Uh, They're springing up daily. And it's a new way for empowering communities of like-minded people to accomplish a goal together.
0: Let's talk about some of the business use cases here. What are some interesting DAOs that just, just so people can wrap their head around this, because it is so foreign to the way we do business today. You know, the way you and I are of similar age and, you know, usually you have to go down and you have to register to start a business. And then maybe you have to get some funding or you have to bootstrap the thing yourself. And you just kind of work your way along. In this case, it sounds like you're gathering a bunch of people together. Somehow they're investing in something and they're some sort of governance to do some sort of mission, but it seems so like ethereal and out there. Like what are some interesting examples that you've seen?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the ones that comes to mind is think of what happens when we decentralize medical. health insurance okay right now the choices we have for health insurance are very limited it's regulated by the government and by the uh, companies in the insurance industry right and there you might say that there's even some collusion in there and price setting and price gouging and you've got the hospitals involved and you've got lawyers involved what if and we've kind of seen this um there are some organizations that are centralized but that have created a way to self-insure yourself based on the goodwill of the people that are involved. Usually it's like a Christian organization of some sort. I can't remember the name of them offhand, but rather than pay a premium, you pay a donation to the organization and you get your health coverage, right? So imagine now with there not being a central organization to do that, but the DAO agrees, this is how we're going to cover people. In the organization and you've paid your premium and now you own the rights to provide direction for where that's going to go. And you have completely eliminated the need for an insurance company because the Dow insures its members. You've completely taken the government and their regulation out of the equation because the Dow and the members of the Dow self-govern it. Right. They all agree on how this thing is going to operate. So you become this little nation state of your own inside, you know, this organization you've created. And I think that, you know, now you can let your imagination run free. Well, what kind of DAOs could there be in my particular industry? How would this apply?
0: Yeah. What I think is really interesting is obviously this is built on the back of the blockchain and crypto ownership of some point, right? So I'd imagine, and we're going to cover this more with different guests as, as we um, develop the uh, crypto business podcast. But my understanding is like, okay, you've got a bunch of people who have invested in a coin or in an FT, and they're organizing together, typically like on a discord server and they come up with their own governance. Like they agree that this is what we're going to do and they vote the majority votes. Right. So that's like Congress or the Senate. Right. And majority wins and that's it. Right. And it's kind of like traditional business in that you quote unquote have shareholders that vote but it's also a bunch of people that don't know each other, right? It's right. almost anonymous in some regards, right? Cause you don't have to be known. You can just be some anonymous owner of whatever as part of this thing. And I've heard stories of people coming together and banding together and buying physical real estate through DAOs. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard any other interesting stories of applications with DAOs, um, real applications with DAOs. I know about what happened with the constitution DAO, where they tried to buy the United States constitution <laughs> I just wonder whether or not this is going to be the future of business because the speed at which it can happen, right?
1: I'm certain of it because anytime you empower individuals and collective groups of people by virtue of that, you see cottage industries pop up and people are just beginning to play with the possibilities of what blockchain can do in these decentralized autonomous organizations and NFTs and play to earn and cryptocurrency and soon the metaverse. And it's all coming together to build this future that really everybody in the space is building together is very exciting times. You know, we knew that technology would take us to some new places. We just didn't realize and understand exactly what this would look like. And so now we're really
0: pioneering the future. So you mentioned metaverse and I would love you to kind of explain to everybody what your view is of the metaverse. It's not just a Mark Zuckerberg project. Maybe you can kind of explain a little bit about what it is and how it maybe is tied into this whole crypto side of stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, well, it's not a Mark Zuckerberg project at all. And the very fact that, you know, he's trying to get his grimy little paws into and think that he has some command of the space is, It's not going to happen in the very nature of crypto being decentralized as opposed to just about everything that Zuckerberg and, and Facebook uh, stand for, which is complete control, you know, to an authoritarian level. And the, the crypto ethos is contrary to that. I'm not saying he's not going to get his little piece of the pie, but really the metaverse is being built. In advance by people that are more forward-thinking and advanced in technology than anything that Facebook offer. What is it? So, it's a great question because it's really hard to pin down because so many people are using the term metaverse incorrectly. But really, a metaverse is a place where a group of people can engage and interact in a virtual world. So when we think of, you know, previous ones like Second Life.
0: I remember that. You could
1: call that, you know, a metaverse.
0: How about Minecraft or Roblox or something like sure, that?
1: Sure. Minecraft, Roblox, they're all metaverses, like sub-metaverses. The metaverse that we're talking about properly referenced refers to a future that it is a shared experience for everybody. That the metaverse means all of the verses are together in this one metaverse. So what we're seeing spring up are individual verses. So we're calling them metaverses, but they're each at their own little verse. If they're not together, they will be a metaverse. And I know this might sound esoteric and a little more out there, but a true metaverse is think of like Ready Player One. Right. But think of it not in terms of, you know, the dystopian future, but of what it could become when we live the uh, part of our lives within this imaginary space. But is it imaginary if we can actually engage, you know, and interact with others, if we can do e-commerce, if we can go to places that we've not been before and share experiences with others? There's reality and then there's virtual reality and the melding of the two.
0: Well, talk about Sandbox and Decentraland and their roles in this whole thing.
1: Yeah. So, you know, two of the more promising ones right now, you mentioned they're called Sandbox and Decentraland. And these are verses or metaverses that have a specific number of land plots in them, which people can buy um, or sell or hold or build on. And so now we have large companies that are buying plots of virtual real estate in these metaverses, and they're going to be building out their space to be whatever it is they want to be. And visitors to the sandbox or Decentraland can easily walk through the space, either in virtual reality or on their computers or on their mobile phones and experience all of the different things that these brands and individuals are building in this brave new world. And it's fascinating. It's fun. Anybody can go to Decentraland.com and you can actually, on your browser, you can walk through and kind of see what's being built there right now. And certain parts of the world are going to require an NFT that gets you access to be able to get in, you know, as your ticket. And the imagination of the things that people are coming up with and the interactivity that we're going to see in the space over the next few years is going to be mind blowing.
0: As of this recording, we are starting into 2022. You have been in this space since about 2016. Could you have imagined we'd be here when you started your journey into crypto? And where do you think we're going to go with all this over the next few years? Uh,
1: Well, it's here to stay. You know, I remember when Travis and I started the show, we would have conversations and say, you know, if we just, do the show and stay the course and keep talking to people who are smarter than us, they're going to start coming to us and asking for advice and, you know, for us to be part of their advisory board. uh, and, And it's played out exactly like that. You know, you never know exactly what direction it's going to go. But if there's one thing I've learned from my career, it's that when you find something you like to do and you master it, others come to you and say, how did you do that? And now that's happening to me on a regular basis, you know, peers that would laugh before saying, so tell me about these NFTs, tell me about this Bitcoin, tell me about these metaverses. What do you mean you're making hundreds of dollars a day in plate iron? How are you doing that? And I remember when I first talked to you about it, it's why, you know, it yeah. thrills me that, you know, now you're doing a show dedicated to this because, you know, when Mike Stelzner go, puts on his analytical hat, and sees the writing on the wall, Mike Stelzner takes action. So I, I commend you for really doing your homework. It's not a small thing that you are committing to a new show in the space. This is if ever there was a clear signal to your listeners out there that this is important. The fact that you've taken this kind of step is waving big flags.
0: Well, and you know, where do you think things are going? I guess I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Put your futurist hat on three years from now, where are we going to be?
1: NFTs are here to stay, but they're going to take many more forms than artwork or uh, tickets or items for games. Uh, You know, in the future, I believe your driver's license will be an NFT. I believe that your home deed will be an NFT. Your car title will be an NFT. There's going to be all kinds of things, documents that we're going to tie to non-fungible tokens so that you have, you know, digital proof of ownership. This is in my wallet. This belongs to me. And we've yet to see many of the creative uses that are going to come of it. Play to earn gaming is going to completely disrupt the gaming ecosystem as we know it. The metaverse is going to be incredibly disruptive, especially for e-commerce, as more and more people enter the metaverse and are doing their shopping within. It'll just be a matter of time before there are Amazon.com storefronts in the metaverse. When you're going shopping in Amazon, you'll walk through as though it's a physical store and shop and you'll pick up things and you'll look at them in 3D and you'll be able to handle them. It'll be so much more advanced than what you're able to do just on the website. This stuff is here to stay. And so the question everybody should be asking is, all right, I feel a little bit overwhelmed. Where do I start? And the most important thing is just to start is to do your research. Don't fall for the hype. Don't pay attention to people that are telling you that are just trying to sell you something, but really learn, really dig in uh, and be wise because uh, you're building your future business as well.
0: Speaking of learning, tell everybody where they can first find your nifty show and explain how you spell it, because I think a lot of people want to go deep on the NFT side and then your other show as well. Yeah.
1: So the flagship show is the Bad Crypto Podcast and it's badcryptopodcast.com and it's available on all the podcast players that you would expect. And the Nifty Show is the niftyshow.com, N-I-F-T-Y, just like it sounds. And again, it's available on all the various podcast players that uh, that are out there. So
0: come subscribe and listen. If people want to reach out to you, do you have a preferred method of reaching out? Twitter or non-social platforms or what's the best way? Your website, where do you want to send them if they want to contact
1: you? Yeah, you can. If you go to either Bad Crypto or Nifty Show, there's a form there that you can fill out or you can just follow me on Twitter at JoelCom and DM me there.
0: Awesome. JoelCom, thank you so much for demystifying this confusing world that we are all going to be living in in a pretty dramatic way in the very near future. We're all smarter because of it. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash C2. This brings us to the end of another episode of the Business Crypto Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may Web 3.0 continue to change your world in a good way. See you soon. The information provided in the Crypto Business Podcast is provided solely for educational purposes. Do not treat what you hear as investment, trading, or financial advice. Do your own research.
1: The Crypto Business Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner.
0: Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.